One of the leading questions and most important or popular topics of our day is a question that goes like this. How do I grow as a person? High, high level topic, great question. How do I grow as a person? If you look in bookstores today, if you can find one, go into a bookstore, and what you'll find is one section on self-help with lots of books in that section, basically broken down into two categories. One is, I have a problem I need help overcoming. The other one would be, I just need to gain new knowledge and new skills to help me reach a higher level. But it's all under that self-help, how can I become a better person? How can I grow as a person? This week I went onto Barnes & Noble's website and I just typed in the search on their website, self-help. And there were over 3,000 matches just for that one search. The global personal development industry value in 2019 was 20, uh, $38 billion. It's anticipated to grow to over $56 billion in just six years. So this self-help, how can I grow, how can I become better, is a huge question and a huge topic for our society right now. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should be asking ourselves that same question, how can I grow, how can I become the best that I can be? That is a question I think that we should be constantly asking ourselves and constantly wonderfully striving for the results. How can I become the best that I can possibly become? So what we're talking about really on that subject is the subject of discipleship. Jesus had 12 disciples that he poured himself into, and then there were 70 of, among that, and then 120 on a broader perspective. But he was constantly giving, and they were constantly learning, growing, trying new things, being challenged, and they were becoming the best that they could be. But it is definitely a lifelong journey. One thing about Hope Crossings that we have recognized uh, is a weakness in the area of discipleship. And so we're putting a great emphasis right now on discipleship, You'll be hearing more about that in the weeks ahead and uh, going to transition into a greater level of discipleship ministry throughout the rest of this year and on into next year. And of course, as that momentum grows, that's going to be, I would say, a hallmark of Hope Crossings in the future. But we're going to look today at how we as disciples can become the best that we can become. What is this? What is it that we need to grow in and what do we need to do? So we're going to look at two verses of Scripture today. One is in the book of Jonah. If you have your Bibles, you can find the book of Jonah. It's only four chapters long, so you're going to have to search for it really, really hard. But if you have a tablet, you just type in Jonah, right? And you're there. So we're going to look at the book of Jonah, but we're going to fly over the book of Jonah at about 30,000 feet. And we're just going to dive bomb a little bit and just get a glimpse of the book of Jonah in about 90 seconds, Okay. And then we're going to look at uh, John chapter number 13. But we're talking about Jonah right now. Let me tell you the Jonah joke that I love the most. You've probably heard it before, but you can just laugh like it's the first time you've ever heard it just to make me feel better. <laughs> Thank you. So parents put their little daughter on a plane to go visit grandma and grandpa. She's by herself. A gentleman comes in of high-dollar businessman in a $2,000 suit sits down right beside her, and he notices she's reading her Bible. 
So in the flight, he decides to create some conversation. She says, he says, hey, little girl, what are you reading? She says, I'm reading my Bible. He says, well, do you really believe what the Bible says? She said, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I believe every word of the Bible. He said, come on. Do you really believe in that Jonah and the fish thing? Do you really think a fish swallowed Jonah? And he lived in the fish for three days, and then he was propelled on to dry land. Do you really believe all that? She said, oh, yes, sir, I believe every word of the Bible. I believe everything that the Bible says about Jonah and the huge fish. She said, in fact, I'm looking forward to one day being in heaven, and I'm going to find Jonah, and I'm going to ask him what that was like. And he looked down at her, and he said, well, what if Jonah isn't in heaven? She thought for a moment, and she looked at him, and she said, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at that. Okay. So we're going to look at five quick verses in the book of Jonah and just get a snapshot of the book of Jonah. Okay, here we go. Chapter number one, verses one to three. This sets the stage. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Here's Jonah. He is a prophet of God. God speaks to him to speak to other people. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. It's a city where Jewish people really didn't live. He wasn't being sent to the nation of Israel, but to a whole other group of people. And Jonah says no. He gets in a boat. He's on the way. And some problems happened. Verse number 17, chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. If you were the prophet of God, you were running away from God, and a fish swallowed you, do you think you'd pray? Well, Jonah prayed, and he prayed earnestly. And in that process of praying, he repented of his sin of saying no to God and running away from God, and he had a change of heart. And so God caused the fish to do this, chapter 2, verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So now Jonah's got a second chance. Aren't you thankful that God gives a second and third and eighth and twentieth chances, right? So Jonah has another chance, chapter 3, Verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah did that. He went to Nineveh for three days. He walked all through the city of Nineveh and he proclaimed, you guys need to repent. What you're doing is wrong. God isn't pleased and God will forgive you. And God brought a great revival. There's like 100,000 people in the city of Nineveh, and they repented. They were so sorry for their sin, and they turned their life over to God and said, okay, we need, we need to start living the way God wants people to live. <laughs> Chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. That's one of the weirdest verses in the Bible, isn't it? I mean, here's a prophet of God. God says, go. He says, no. God says, I have a fish for you. Jonah has a change of heart. He goes, preaches, they repent, and Jonah's upset about it. Wow. And we could ask the question, 
Jonah, what's your problem? Jonah, what's up? What's going on? Well, I think Jonah had to go through a transformation. And possibly it's a transformation that you and I also need to go through and maybe many times throughout our lives. Let's look at three things that had to change in Jonah and I believe needs to change in me and needs to change in you. Let's go through these really quickly. Number one is we need a larger concept of God. See, Jonah had a concept of God being a, a Jewish God. He was an Israelite, Israelite God. He was a God of the Jews, of Jerusalem, basically, and the surrounding regions. But he, he had a small God mentality. God, you're, you're just the God of the Jews, and you're asking me to go to people who are not Jewish. There's something up with that, and I can't figure that out. And so I'm going to say no, and I'm going to run. We need to understand that God is a great, big, powerful God who controls and made this entire universe. And he's not just the God of the people who go to church on Sunday. He is the God of all of the world. And he has a group of people in every city, every region, every corner of this earth that he wants to greatly impact with his word and his spirit. And it is our job as those who are Christ's followers to be willing to say yes to either go next door or to go to the other side of the world. We need a larger concept of God. The disciples, Jesus' disciples, kind of had this, this problem with this as well. If you remember, there were a couple of times when uh, they really showed it. One of the disciples came to Jesus and said, am I supposed to forgive my brother seven times? And Jesus said, no. Seventy times seven. See, sometimes we have a small mentality of God. We have a small mentality of righteousness, and God wants to blow the doors off of that concept and enlarge it. It was another time when the Samaritans and Jesus had some encounters. Jesus was, was preaching to the Samaritans, and they rejected him. And so the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, Look, would you like us to call down fire from heaven and consume them? Like they could. But anyway, and he basically said, No. Let's not do that. In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus has died on the cross and resurrected from the dead, and he's getting ready to ascend back into heaven, what was the question that the disciples asked them? They said, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? In other words, are you pushing the Romans back to Rome? Are we going to be in control of our government again? See, they had a small mentality of God. They had a small concept. Perhaps you've suffered from that as I know I have. A small concept of God will never accomplish the will of God. We've got to enlarge our view of who God is and what he wants to do. And if we look at Jackson County, we see a, a county that's good, but we also see a county that needs God. We see people who are lost we see people who are on drugs. They're living just lives that are apart from God. You can name the sin, whatever it is. They're just living up lives apart from God. And God is saying, I, I want to reach them too. And that's what Hope Crossings is about in so many other churches in this region. We should be about, yes, gathering together as the body of Christ and bringing as many people into the body of Christ as possible to reach out and say, God has a place for you. And you remember that old hymn, there's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. So God calls Jonah and he calls us 
to serve other people. That's what he called Jonah to do, to try and, and enlarge his concept of God. But the second thing that happened was to Jonah and needs to happen to us is we need an accurate concept of ourselves. I mean, can you imagine kind of the arrogance of, of Jonah that he thought he could say no to God and there'd be no repercussions? He thought he could just outrun God. I mean, if God is just a God of like kind of Jerusalem and some areas, you know, the promised land, then I can outrun him. I can go where he isn't. Jonah was thinking pretty highly of himself. New Testament tells us, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think soberly and righteously. Jonah thought he was so important, and so God had to put him through a death experience. Three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. It was as a death experience. Some people even believe that Jonah did die in the fish's belly and then was resurrected. I don't know. One day we'll ask him if we're in heaven. I don't know if that happened, but I do know that Jesus drew the correlation between Jonah and himself. There were those who came to Jesus and said, hey, we need a sign. And and Jesus said, no, you've already had a sign. You're going to get a a, a similar sign. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. He draws that correlation. You and I must also go through, if you will, death experiences. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 10. He said, if you you find your life, if it's all about self-help, I can help myself, I can do it myself, I can achieve myself. He said, if you find your life, you'll lose it. He said, but if you lose your life for the kingdom, you just give your life to God. He said, that's when you really find life. That's when it really comes together. That's when it really begins to click. The third thing is we need a healthy concept of serving. And Jonah needed to discover that, and you and I need to discover that as well. Does it, does it, does it kill you like it kills me? That's a strong word, but you'll know what I mean in a second. Um, have you ever noticed, some, maybe on, on Instagram or Facebook, I know all of y'all have given that up, but I'm, I'm still a sinner and still... Um, <laughs> Um, where you've got somebody who's like some type of superstar, they're, they're an athlete or, or a movie star or whatever, they got, they got money everywhere, and, and good for them, that's fine, money's not a problem. But they're, they're, they, they have millions, and they're going to give someone $30,000, maybe debt reduction, maybe pay off their student loan, maybe buy them a car, $30,000 or whatever. And so they, they, they go and they give the person the gift, but they're surrounded by cameras, so it can be on Instagram. We gotta have a better concept of serving. Because serving is not about the cameras, it's not about us putting it on Instagram. It's about I'm doing this unto the Lord. Jesus said if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you'll get a reward for that. It's, it's, just, it's just doing it. And he said, what, when you serve, do it in secret. Don't announce it to everybody. He said, the Pharisees do that. It's not good. He said, just do it in secret. You see, serving is not about recognition. It's not about, did, did we get the right camera angle on that? Did my, was my hair okay? Was the light okay? It's not about recognition. And it's, it's not about your feelings. 
It's not about, well, I, well, I feel like serving, so yes. I don't, I don't, really, feel, I don't really feel like doing that. And, and because I don't feel it in my heart, I shouldn't do it because God wouldn't be pleased. Because if it doesn't come from your heart, don't do it. Well, the book of Jonah says something differently. Jonah just went and preached the gospel. He didn't even want those people to repent. And God created a 100,000 people miracle right there. Can you imagine that? Sometimes we just have to do what we're called to do, even though we don't feel like doing what we're called to do. We just got to do it. So uh, serving is not about feelings, nor is it about this aspiration for some type of leadership position. Oh, I'll serve so I can become a leader. I'll serve so I can get to be a... That we serve because we serve. So we've got to adjust and change this concept and not let the, the world's ways of serving and all the cameras and all that stuff affect what we do and how we do it. So I think, in, in my perspective, looking at Hope Crossings and what we do, we, we have so many people who are serving behind the scenes. Nobody's taking pictures. No one's got the cameras rolling. Everyone's just serving so many times behind the scenes. I have the, the distinct privilege and honor of seeing so much of it, and I know many of you don't even see and know what other people in this church are doing. But I just want you to know this church is filled with servers who aren't about getting recognition, who aren't about, hey, did you notice what I did? They're just like, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. Can, could, we, could we do something like this? Could, could we just say, God, thank you that this church is filled with servers? Amen? This church is filled with servers. And I think Jonah got this. I think he got that larger concept of God, a rightful concept of himself, and a better accurate concept of serving. I think he got it after these events. And you know why? Because we have the book of Jonah. Okay, let me ask you a question. If you were Jonah and you did all that stuff, would you write the book of Jonah? Because who's the bad guy in, in the book of Jonah? He only did one thing right, and he did it with a horrible attitude. But he wrote the book of Jonah. In other words, he's saying, look, I'm going to show you all of my trash. I'm going to show you all of my mistakes, so maybe you won't make that mistake. That's pretty cool. So I think Jonah got it. I, I think after this, he, he was a completely revolutionized, transformed person. Now we want to look at the Gospel of John, chapter number 13. If you turn there, the Gospel of John, and this is, this is where Jesus does something that really just kind of blows the mind of his disciples. And this is when he washes his disciples' feet. I have, I've had a couple of opportunities to be in that situation where there was foot washing. I've had my feet washed and I've washed other people's feet. It's only been two or three times, I think. And it was a, it was a, the, the first time it ever happened, it was, it was quite remarkable. It made a, 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 an impact on my life. Um, but I, I, I want to say this as well, um, in light of the fact that I just said it made an impact on my life and it, it caused me to see things in a more mature and a better way. I'm, I'm not advocating washing people's feet because of what Jesus did. And there are a couple reasons why. First off, feet are clean today. Okay? 2,000 years ago, when you're wearing sandals in Palestine, your feet are not clean. 
We wear socks today, right? But not with flip-flops. <laughs> we wear socks. We wear shoes. Everything, we bathe every day, or most of us, and we, you know, we're, we're clean. But back then it wasn't. And the fact of who, were, who was the one who usually cleaned people's feet when they came into a house, it was a slave or the lowest servant. It was the lowest person on, on the scale there. It was the person who was, who was just, yeah, you, come over here and wash the feet, yeah. Because it was, a, it was a, just a dirty job. Today it's not a dirty job. Could, is there a comparison that we could, we could use to say, if, if we're going to do something that's menial, that, that a slave would do, that, it, that is dirty and, and gross, and we want to serve someone like that. That's the whole intention of this illustration of washing people's feet. It's serving someone in a very menial way that's even just, yeah. Is there a comparison today? I, 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 I'm just going to throw an idea out there to you. I'm not, I'm just an idea. Okay, but if, if, if you're walking your dog and your neighbor's walking his dog or her dog and um, nature calls the dog and um, their dog does it right in the manic, the, the neighbor in, in your, the guy in your neighborhood who has the manicured lawn, right there. And you, uh, you see it, they don't have a bag but you do. Y'all with me? You're tracking with me? We're on, we're on target here. We're moving. You have a whole load of bags. That wasn't a good terminology, but you have, you have a lot of bags. Some of us right now are being tempted to say, I'd hand him a bag. I'd hand him a bag. But what about the second mile? I'm just drawing a comparison. I just freaked all of you out right now. I'm sorry about that. But I'm just drawing a comparison. Okay? Menial, servant stuff. Okay? When you, when you wash someone's feet, you don't make sure the camera angle is right. Nor when you help a neighbor with his dog. Nobody wants the camera angle to be anywhere near you because it's just. I'm not against literally washing people's feet. I'm just saying I'm not so sure that's really what Jesus is talking to us about in 2021. Okay? John chapter 13, verses 3 through 5. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Here we see some, some really key things here. First off, he says, I know God's put everything under my power. In other words, Jesus knew who he was. The second thing, he says, I know I've come from the Father, and I'm going back to the Father. In other words, Jesus is saying, it really doesn't matter what these disciples think about what I'm getting ready to do. 
God determines who I am. God determines what I'm supposed to do. God determines how I'm supposed to serve. He understood that because he also understood he was getting ready to die and pay the price for the sins of the entire world. And it didn't matter what people thought about him on the cross, that what mattered is that he was obedient to God. And so he's saying, God has determined who I am, what I do, what I'm supposed to do. And nothing else really matters. If you skip down there to verses 12 to 14, John 13, 12 to 14, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. The bigger perspective on that is I have served you in a very menial task that was very humiliating, if you will, or humbling, and that's what you should do for one another. That's the, that's the, the template to serving one another. But the, but the, the, the hang-up that we have many times is that we're, we're not really sure who we are. We're not really confident in the fact that God is the one who rescued us, and God is the one who's going to bring us into heaven so we know where we're at, and so we can serve gladly and cheerfully, and it doesn't really matter what anyone thinks about it. We, we lack some of that confidence sometimes. But when we know who we are, when we know that God is with us, in us, for us, leading us, guiding us, empowering us, then all of a sudden we become free to say, it doesn't matter what you think about it, it matters that I am serving God. And what happens is, is that when, we, when we're younger and we're, we're starting out and we're trying to serve and we're trying to figure it out and, and somebody rejects our service, somebody disdains our service, somebody, somebody just puts us down for what we did, we go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That, that didn't feed my ego, or am I the only one here with an ego? That didn't feed me. I was trying to do something to help. I was trying to, and here what he's saying is, Jesus, he knew he came from God, and he was going back to God. And we've got to know, he just, it was God that rescued us. It was God that brought us out of our sin and cleaned us up and put his spirit within us and a new nature within us. And it is God who's leading us and guiding us, therefore, I'm going to be obedient to God, and I'm going to serve the way God's called me to serve. And it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks about it. I don't need the camera. I don't need the approval of people. I just need His approval. And we'll let the results of that service be what God wants it to be. But that's an inside job for us, that every one of us have scars and wounds and hurts that cause us to become self-conscious and, and pull in and, and retract from, from being outgoing. That's the temptation within all of us, is to pull in and retract. And God is saying, I want to set you free from that. I want to set you free. And I, I would submit to us today that if we will learn the lessons the easy way, we don't have to be introduced to a fish. If we just learn it and go, okay, God, I, I don't, okay, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to submit myself. I know you are my security, not what anybody thinks about me. You're my security. You see, it's not the load that weighs us down. It's the way you carry it. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, the things that I tell you to do, you can do them. 
The things that I tell you to do, go for it. It doesn't matter how they respond. It doesn't matter what any, it doesn't matter. Just be obedient. So here's three truths that uh, I want to I leave us with. The band's going to come up and, and, and um, we're going to continue worship. Serving is about obedience. Serving is about obedience. What is obedience? Definition, submission to another's authority. Serving is about obedience. God, I'm going to be obedient to you. Even I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. It's not clean, but I'm going to do it. It costs me, but I'm going to do it. Serving is about obedience. What is it that God's called you to do? What is it that he's pinpointed and he said, hey, hey, I want you to do that. I want you to do this. What is that thing? Has there been a thing in the past where you've, you've just said, mm, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I would suggest revisit that. Revisit that. Say, God, what do you want me to do? Just to be obedient. Secondly, serving is about obscurity. Obscurity means the state of being unknown, inconspicuous, and unimportant. Well, that's non-American, isn't it? But it's kingdom principle. It doesn't fit well with TV and Instagram in America, but it fits really well with the kingdom of God. And we are in the kingdom of God. We happen to live in America, but we are in the kingdom of God forever. The... Um, a few years ago, we had an opportunity as, as a church body in Hope Crossings to, to be a middleman. There's a shoe company that if you buy a pair, they give a pair. And they were always giving pairs of shoes to other nations. And they said, well, you know what? There's some people in our nation that need shoes. And so we had the opportunity because that shoe company partnered with the Assemblies of God and was using the Assemblies of God to distribute the shoes here in America. So we had the opportunity to go to an elementary school here in Jackson County and be a conduit, if you will, to provide shoes for every student, every teacher, every faculty member. And so we went there and we measured every foot in the whole place, some of them two or three times. We measured every foot of every kid, every teacher, every, from the principal, all everybody. And so then the, 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 the administration of the school decided we want to make this a big thing because we really want to encourage our students uh, to, to know that they're valued and people care about them. And, and we just want to, want to be at an exercise where these students are lifted up and they really feel good about themselves. And I thought, that's great. So they're going to a big assembly in the, in the gymnasium. It's going to be a big thing. And they, they said they wanted me to say a few words. And, and then they said, and we contacted the newspaper and they're going to do a big story on it. Mm. And they probably looked at my face and realized I wasn't thrilled about that. And so they said, is that okay? And I said, well, if it will help you, if it will help your students, that's fine. But we're not asking for that. We're not asking for the TV. We're not asking for the newspaper. We're not asking for any of that. If it will help you, go for it. And they did a the newspaper did a great article, and there were pictures and all that stuff. So it was great. But it's just one of those moments when Hope Crossings was able to shine, not because we're anybody, but because God somehow allowed us to play a very small part in giving shoes to everybody in a school. But it's an opportunity for us to say, we just, we just want to do it. We just want to do it. That's how we give. That's how we serve. It's about obscurity. I wish the paper hadn't come. 
from my perspective, but I think it helped the school, and so it's okay. But that's the way we do it at Hope Crossings. Thirdly, serving is about ovation. It's about ovation. What is ovation? A sustained and enthusiastic show of appreciation. When we serve, we praise God. When we're about serving one another, we're praising God. We're just saying, God, you are amazing. You are great, awesome, wonderful. When we serve, we honor God. Jesus said, if you feed the least of these, it's just like feeding me. If you clothe the least of these, it's just like clothing me. You received a towel when you came in. It's a small towel, but it's a towel. Probably you were thinking, um, is Lenica sick and in the hospital? We need to start cleaning the church today. No. This towel is a reminder to every one of us of Jesus putting a towel around his waist, and that is not going to fit around your waist. If you have a Barbie doll, maybe. There is a, uh, an expression throwing in the towel. It means giving up and quitting. It comes from boxing. Years ago in the boxing ring, when two guys were duking it out, um, the way that they would submit, the way that they would show, I'm done. I quit, you win. They would literally take a towel and they would throw it into the middle of the ring. And when the towel hit the floor, that meant I'm done. Because of past experiences that were negative, some people just throw in the towel with serving. You know, I tried teaching and nobody appreciated it. Or I, I tried doing this or I tried that and I'm quitting. No good, no way, no how, not doing it anymore. And they just throw in the towel. You can do that. It's not good, but... But instead, wouldn't it be better just to say, you know what, this same towel that I could just throw in and say, no way, but instead I could use it to serve. So this towel for you today, I'm just giving it as a reminder of serving, as a reminder of a way, how can I serve my family, my neighbors, my church, the people I work with, how can I serve them? How can I serve them? You know, it was about a year or two ago that, Somebody came into the church and handed me a check, and uh, he said, I'm, I'm giving you the name and address of a person, and I want you to send this check to them. Don't tell them who it was. I don't want them to know me at all. It was for thousands of dollars. They just said, send it from the church. The, church was, the check was to the church. The church wrote a check to the person so that no one would know. The person did not know. That's serving. And we have an opportunity to serve wherever we're at, wherever we go. But why do we serve? Because we know we've come from the Father and we're going to the Father. God has rescued us. We are safe and secure in Him. And when you serve and someone rejects it, say, I did it as unto the Lord. When somebody serves and doesn't like it, I did it as unto the Lord. When, some, when you serve and they don't understand it, they don't get it, say, well, I wasn't actually doing it to you. I was doing it as unto the Lord. So it's okay if you don't get it. One day you will. One day you will.